Hello and welcome to the Explore Planet Asia podcast. My name is John Dallas and I'm your host. During this podcast series, we'll discuss everything Asia, from travel, food, culture, language, customs, relocation, fashion, social influencers, and much more. Our goal is to be a country-to-country informational resource for travelers and expats. This is Planet Asia. Transcripts for this podcast are located at johndallas.com under podcast and on the Explore Planet Asia Facebook page located at facebook.com slash exploreplanetasia. Transcript access is helpful for those whose second language is English and, most importantly, for my nearly 4,000 combined Chinese students, colleagues, and friends would like to follow me as I'll likely be using all parts of American English, including idiomatic expressions, colloquialisms, and euphemisms. In this episode, I'll discuss my first week in Asia, in China, and how my eyes were wide open with excitement and emotionally terrified at the same time. I just flew 10,000 miles from my home in the United States to a foreign land on the other side of the planet. Let's get started. previous episode, I talked about my personal and professional motivation for going to China. Now I'll discuss my first week in this dynamic culture. I've always believed that no personal situation is forever as long as you've got the want, need, and motivation to change your situation. This isn't cliche-ish. I know this from my own personal experience. I was ready for a new professional opportunity and knew that a new challenge would assist in alleviating my career boredom. I craved a new opportunity. I needed a new opportunity. And I knew that no one was going to create an opportunity for me. Only I could create a new opportunity for myself based on my career focus and post and personal goals. Sure enough, China provided me with an opportunity and challenge. Little did I know at the time that I would fall in love with Asia. As I boarded this monstrous airplane at Chicago O'Hare, I was a tad bit nervous but super excited with eyes wide open for adventure. I've traveled internationally before, but this airplane was humongous. Even so, my soul craved this opportunity. 
in the back of my head, I could hear my academic peers telling me that it was a mistake for me to go to China because it was a horrible country, even though they've never been there. What about your benefits? Your 401k? These are typical American fears because we've been conditioned to think this way. Not me. I'm an anomaly. I've never had this need to acquire things, but more of an attitude of acquiring life experiences. I ain't stupid. I ain't going hungry and not sleeping on nobody's street, but at the same time, I have little desire to buy a 100-inch flat screen that I can't carry no damn where. <laughs> I also recall one of my brothers getting angry over the phone because I hadn't told him that I was relocating to China until one week beforehand. Shockingly, no one asked my reasons for making such a drastic career decision. From where I was sitting, their opinions and emotions were based on fear, fear of the unknown. I couldn't help but think that this same four-letter word has also kept many cross-cultural relationships from moving America forward, hence another reason for me seeking international opportunities. Did I speak Mandarin? Nope. Did I care? Hell no. I know and understand my learning style, and full immersion was the best for me. Heck, I didn't even start preparing for basic Chinese terms until I got on the airplane. I made sure I printed these important terms and phrases because there weren't any fancy smanshy apps back in 2010. One needs to know how to ask where the bathroom is, right? As I jetted into the overcast Chicago skyline heading towards Taipei, I passed out. This is normal for me during frequent domestic travel destinations. I woke up about an hour into the 13-hour flight to a flight attendant asking me what type of behavior or beverage I'd like to consume. I recall seeing her as I boarded the, the, flight, the flight. She was very kind. I think she liked me, but she was so barking up the wrong tree, bless her heart. <laughs> I arrived in Taipei around 11 p.m. local time and had to go through the long customs line. Once through customs, I decided to walk around outside of the airport because there was a six-hour layover. I was shocked to find out that many restaurants were already closed and the only food one could sample was street food. I'm so not a fan of street food, so I decided to starve until my 6 a.m. flight. 6 a.m. rose around and we jetted to my destination city of Shenzhen, which is adjacent to Hong Kong. I was prepared to call this home for one year, regardless of how archaic I thought China would be. We landed and to my amazement, I looked at Shenzhen and it was a glowing city with shiny things everywhere. People were hustling and bustling all the while glaring at the new foreign arrival. Yes, while I was looking at the shiny things, the Chinese in the airport were looking at me. 
I'm an extrovert and excellent in cross-cultural situations, so this didn't really bother me. I'll be the first to say something about someone glaring at me, but I'll just deal with it. This is the first time I realized how curious Chinese can be. My escorts were waiting for me at the airport, flailing a sign with my name on it. John Dallas, it read. This was significant because my name was spelled correctly. I don't have an H in my shortened version, the shortened version of my name. My escorts spotted me and helped me with my luggage. To my surprise, both young ladies spoke good English. Damn, I spent hours on the flight memorizing Chinese words and phrases and didn't get the chance to use them. We arrived at the luxury vehicle and placed my luggage in the trunk. Once in the car, they asked me if I was hungry as it was getting close to lunchtime. I responded, responded with an emphatic yes and was relieved that I was asked because I hadn't really eaten anything since I landed the night before. Also, I didn't know how to exchange money from USD to renminbi at the time, so this was truly a blessing, or so I thought. Lunch was great, but as I learned over time in China, Chinese don't miss meals, period. When it's lunchtime, it's lunchtime, and then an afternoon rest ranging from one to two hours, period. Chinese don't play games with eating lunch. In fact, most Asian cultures don't play games with eating lunch and their afternoon rest. If you want to piss off, you know, piss off a Chinese, go ahead and play with their lunch. <laughs> I emphasize lunchtime because in hindsight, I think my escorts were ready to eat lunch, so why not just bring the foreigner along? This was a great compromise because I wouldn't have known what to order in the first place. <laughs> Lunch was fantastic. After filling my belly with pork, veggies, and rice, I was sleepy. MSG or jet lag? I don't know. But I passed out in the car on the way to the hotel. Anyone that knows me knows that I don't let my guard down and sleep if I'm not comfortable. My initial experience upon landing in mainland China was an incredibly unforgettable experience. This interaction set the stage for my 10-year China relocation. I arrived at the hotel and was greeted by the company representative. He booked a room for the week to help me transition to life in Shenzhen. The hotel was booked with foreigners from different Western countries, and I figured out that I wasn't the company's representative first rodeo. He paired me with a few others who were native English speakers and could assist me in getting settled. I rested the first day and tried to handle jet lag as best as I could. The following day was a bit more eventful. I was paired with a real estate agent who assisted me in looking for apartments near my company. We discussed rental rates and fees associated 
with finding appropriate housing. I found a place I liked for rent by owner in TT Tower on Lianhua Lu, Lianhua Road in Futian District. This is where I met my friend Kai Jun, or Tony, and he was the friend of the son of the landlady who owned the apartment. Tony was a blessing because he spoke incredible English and acted as the translator between me and the landlady, Miss Tong. The reason why I was pushing to find an apartment during my first couple of days was because I would have had to pay for the hotel room weekly. Um, that wasn't an option for me. Incredibly, several teachers had been in the hotel for weeks on weeks and didn't appear to have any gumption to find an apartment. To each his own. So I signed a lease, put down first, last, and a security deposit, and moved into the apartment on day three. This was incredibly fast. Most Chinese apartments are furnished, so you don't have to worry about moving anything. I took a taxi from the hotel and arrived at my new home with my two-bag airline international travel limit. My whole life was basically in two suitcases. Sounds like drama, but it isn't as I've learned over the years that we really don't need stuff. Tony had given me his phone number earlier, so I made sure to update him on my move. Deep down, I sort of needed him to help me adapt to the culture, and I was grateful that he was proactive in helping me transition. We're still friends to this day. On day four, Tony called me and asked, if I was available for dinner later that evening. He told me that Miss Tong wanted to take me to dinner even though she didn't speak a lick of English. She just wanted to meet me and I get it. I mean, how are you gonna have a tenant in a unit on your property and not meet them? Obviously I accepted and was told that she was picking us up around six o'clock p.m. I was sort of nervous because I've heard about Chinese women handling their business. I wasn't scared because I come from a matrilineal line where the women in my family also handle their business. I know how black women are going to approach a situation. I didn't know how Chinese women would approach situations. Later on, I'd find out that my black women education served me well because Chinese women are very similar to black women. Miss Tong picked up us up in a Cadillac. Yes, a Cadillac. I never told Tony this, but she was blinging out of control and I was loving it. I sure was. I mean, this was my landlady. Miss Tong set the stage for how I view Chinese women and it was a positive impression. She asked me through Tony where I'd like to have dinner. I was flabbergasted because it was only my fourth day in the country and I had no idea where or what to choose. Observing my facial impressions, Miss Tong asked if I wanted Chinese food or Western food. 
This was a more appropriate question because I could handle that. I said I wanted Chinese food. Um, I'm in China. So we arrived at this upscale restaurant. Like a child, I needed Tony's assistance in figuring out what to order. I didn't have the Mandarin and cultural knowledge that I do now. So Tony ordered for me. Like a child. <laughs> the only thing he didn't do was spoon feed me, but we would have been in fisticuffs in front of Madam Tang. Dinner was very pleasant, and I got to know Miss Tang very well, even though we didn't speak each other's language. 90% of all communication is nonverbal, and I believe that we have mutual respect for each other, which was displayed through our body language. After dinner, Miss Tong asked me if I had a chance to shop for home particulars like silverware, dishes, pots and pans, bedding, and so forth. I told her that I hadn't gone shopping yet. She immediately drove to Ikea and made me go shopping. I was shocked because I've never had a landlord do anything like this for me. Never. I tried to argue with Tony to not let Miss Tong take me shopping because I could do it myself, but once the Chinese mix up their minds, that's that. Also, this showed appreciation and liking. Miss Tong loved her some John Dallas. We finished shopping in the car, and on the way back to the apartment, Miss Tong asked me if I had a Chinese name. Everyone needs a Chinese name, she exclaimed in Mandarin. I said that I didn't have a Chinese name, and she invited me to use her surname, which was also an honor and privilege. So my first name in Chinese was Tang Anju, which also uses my middle name, Andrew. It was I right until day five when Tony took me drinking. Everything in my apartment was new, and my company told me that I didn't need to report until the following week. They were relieved that I found an apartment, I think more surprised, and I updated my address and contact information. On the fifth day in Shenzhen, in Shenzhen, I took a couple of walks in my neighborhood to get familiar with landmarks and the bus system. The Shenzhen Metro didn't reach my apartment in 2010, but it does now. Tony called in to check in on me while he was at work and asked if I was available for dinner with a few friends that evening. I was available and we set up a time and place to meet. I then returned to my apartment and took a nap because I was out for hours the previous night with the gracious Miss Tong. Eight o'clock rolls around and Tony meets me at my apartment, so we go to have dinner and drink. A few of his friends turns out to be more like 20. I guess they wanted to meet the black. <laughs> dinner was incredible and one of Tony's friends asked him in Mandarin if I wanted to drink. Tony didn't want me to drink Chinese wine and I could tell this through his nonverbals that I was being taunted. 
Tony translates something to the effect that Americans can't handle Chinese wine or some bullshit. That's all the courage I needed. About 10 of us guys lined up for Chinese wine shots. The other 10 were women, and apparently it's not appropriate for a Chinese women, woman to drink. I wish, I wish you could see my eyes rolling right now. We started with one shot, then two. When we downed the third shot, three guys fell off. I looked at the big mouth talking all that mess and said, I thought Chinese could drink. Tony's translation spurred some liquid courage, and the other six guys kept going. The women at the table were observing this interesting foreigner because they've never met one. Shot four, three more guys drop off. I was a super steady because I felt like I was representing, representing all Americans, and I wasn't going to screw it up. Also, they didn't know that I can hold my alcohol. It's now four of us still in this drinking game, and Tony was also still in. Shots five, six, and seven, and it gets down to three of us. Tony's still in. Shot eight, one guy drops out. It's now down to Tony and I. Shot nine, we're good. Shot ten, Tony can't drink it. <laughs> I asked to have shot 11 poured, and before I downed it, I asked Tony to translate. I've already won because I'm an American, but I'm going to drink an extra shot just because, and I down it. One of the guys yells, Lee and I had no idea what he was talking about. Tony explains to me that Li Kui is a Chinese hero and he drank a lot. It's also noted that Li Kui was a dark-skinned Chinese. Since everyone knew that I had challenges with selecting a Chinese name, they suggested Li Kui, and that's how I earned my Chinese name. Who knew that drinking Chinese wine would help me select a Chinese name. To this day, my first week in China set the stage for my success in Asia. Whenever I visit an Asian country, I keep an open mind and attempt to do as the Romans do and try not to offend. In the next episode, I'll discuss the impact that coronavirus has had on Asian countries and how health officials are handling foreign workers and tourists. Also, I'll be interviewing Peter Call, former director of curriculum at Seoul International School in Seoul, South Korea. Peter is an American expat toggling between his home in Hoi An, Vietnam, and Portland, Maine. For episode previews, visit our Facebook page at Explore Planet Asia. That's facebook.com slash Explore Planet Asia. Well, that does it for another episode of the Explore Planet Asia podcast. 
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Explore Planet Asia podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, WeChat, Line, and Cow Cow Talk at Explore Planet Asia. That's E X P L O R E P L A N E T A S I A. Bye, Jen. See you next time.